What's up, everyone? Welcome to the North Leeds Jets podcast. Back on the show, Professor Mike. In his normal seat. In his in, normal seat. But in jeans. Ooh. With a backwards hat today. Well, look, it's cold outside and I'm here. So, <laughs> <laughs> needs must. Fair play. And instead of Coach Kev, we've got the wonderful Coach Laura. That's an upgrade, isn't it? On, on every level, oh. I'd say, Jess. Kev does watch these, by the way. Yeah, exactly. And he fixes the toilet, so I mean, come on. Yeah. Oh. Oh. We all do love Only kidding, Kev. Kev. Hope you better soon. We've been a bit, been a bit of a silly <laughs> mood, haven't we, this morning? Because we've got the coaches' night out tonight, and everyone's quite giddy. Because mm. we've been, like, Just unleashed <laughs> out of the academy. <laughs> There's also a bit of a competition element to it, I guess, which... Which adds a bit of zest to the evening. The big competition for me is will I wee myself or not? Because on the, on the instructions, it's, it says it all the time. There are no toilets. We will not stop the game. You are locked in. So I've already got what they call latchkey syndrome, which is a, a specific thing about like needing to wee when you know you can't. So yeah. Well, you know, we're going to make, I'm going to, because. We're on separate teams, Professor. I'm going to make sure you're well hydrated yeah. before we start. Look a bit dehydrated, Professor. <laughs> <laughs> Can't think about oh, anything. Man. I'm already nervous about that. All right, so we're going to finish up our um, values podcast that we've been working on for the last few weeks. Um, we've got, well, so as I mentioned, I think on the last two, there's, there's eight values that we talk about for Words of the Week to fit in with a 16-week curriculum. Have a just because we're weird, we throw in an extra one, uh, which is integrity, which we can talk about today. Because it's one of the three key Gracie Baja values, but for some reason it doesn't pop up on the words of the week, uh, whereas the other two do, I believe. And we, we like it a lot. It's yeah. that we hang our hat on all the time, isn't it, integrity? Absolutely. I think it's just a key part of being a martial artist, which we can dive into. Um, so we'll talk about that one too. It does make it a little bit more difficult when you're trying to fit in nine work, nine <laughs> words of the week into a 16-week curriculum. Um, but that's just the fun of it. Uh, so we'll start with um, the first one, which would be inspiration. Inspiration, I've got a little def- definition. Well, that's fairly easy. Uh, the process of being mentally stimulated to do or feel something, especially to do something creative. Inspiration. Professor Mike. Any thoughts on inspiration, being inspiring, inspiring others, being inspired? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, well, we've gone through these, um, obviously, quite neatly. They fit into my own principles, which I talk about when I talk to businesses and in the book I'm going to write and stuff next year. And the I in my mind principles is inspiration. So once you've found the motivation to do something, you've got to find something equally inspirational to go and do. Because life is if we're honest, it's quite mundane for the most part. And, and actually, if you're going to go and set yourself a real task, why not make it inspirational to yourself, but also make it inspirational to other people? So I think it's a key, it's a key thing really when we talk about goal setting, because if it's not an inspirational act, then really, one, one why you're doing it, and you could choose probably something a bit more inspirational for yourself and for other people. And two, you, it's probably not going to be enough 
to keep you on the track and we, we're looking at those things like discipline and motivation again. It fits neatly into the middle for me and you have to have it. Um, but I think there's two sides of it, right? There's the inspirational side for yourself, but there's also can you live a life that is inspirational to others? And I think that then comes down to your intention in life. And if you think about that and what you want to be remembered for, surely you want to be remembered for someone who was an inspirational person to others because if not what mark have you left what what is the difference between um inspiration and motivation well, mo motivation is the the why isn't it it's the deep sense of why you are on whatever path you're on towards whatever goal you set how you accomplish that is the inspiration piece. So Nietzsche, famous philosopher said, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. But that's the how which is really difficult to do. But if you make some an inspiration, if you make the how inspirational, then it just feels a lot easier. But I was meeting with a guy um, the other week, a guy called Mike Coulter, who's a really well-respected advertising guy and has created some phenomenal brands and works with a guy called BJ Fogg, and if you've heard of him, um, on the tiny habits and behavior change stuff. And he talked to me about behavior matching. So often we say to people, oh, you know, you need to go and do that if you want to do this, and he's going to do that. You need to make sure whatever it is you're going to go and do matches your interests and behaviors. So when you think about being inspirational to yourself, you've really got to think deeply about what it is you like to do. Because it's going to be pretty uninspiring to go and, I don't know, swim every day if you hate being in the water. But you could choose running if you like being outside. And, do you know what I mean? Mm. So I think you've got to really, if you're thinking about being inspirational to yourself, have a real good think about what it is you enjoy doing and try and hang out on that. Um, Jiu-Jitsu is a funny one, isn't it? Because I suppose we've got to ask people to think really carefully about why is there here. Um, and the motivation might be, I don't know. Well, here's something, here's something. We've been talking, Sarah's around the corner, um, diligently working away, she always does. And we've noticed recently that there's quite a lot of parents of our little champions who are now starting to do jiu-jitsu. And I was joking the other day and I was saying, it's almost like the kids are the soft entry for the parents to come mm. in and do it. It's like, go see if you like this Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu thing because if you do, I'm going to come with you. Yeah, 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 for sure. And I think what a lot of the parents see is there's an opportunity here for them to become that inspirational figure for their children by doing something equally as difficult as the kids. Mm. Yeah? And they see like a, their five and six year and eight year old struggling in specific training doing it. And they're like... I'm a lazy fat person sat at home. Like I need to get and do this stuff as well because I want to show my children, I want to be inspirational to my children to do that. So there's a really good way that you can do that in jiu-jitsu because it is bloody tough. Yeah, and I think um, on that point, uh, the podcast we're going to do next week around the feedback that we've got from the recent survey stuff we've sent out, some of the feedback was like, you know, they, they were really surprised. Now we've started doing that advanced class stuff at how difficult it is for the kids and how challenging it is. And I think it's taken a few parents back about what jiu-jitsu really is because um, it's not easy. It's not like, it's not, you know, knitting club or something. <laughs> this is a difficult, sorry, sorry, I know you love knitting club. <laughs> it's a very difficult combat sport. It's, it's up there with, the, you know, the hardest things you can just winning, willingly go to do on a day-to-day, -day, you know, week-to-week basis, in my opinion. So 
And I think it's dawned on a lot of parents that, and I think it, for a few, I think it might be like, oh, wow, this is actually pretty intense. And I think for the others, like you say, I think it's like, wow, my kid's going to do some of the hardest stuff. And through all these challenges that they're facing, they're going to grow into like an amazing uh, person. I think that can be really inspiring for people. Mm. But you can't always outsource the inspiration to others as a parent. I think that is a, a failure of a parent to say, well, we're going to send you a, I do believe that children do need really strong role models that aren't parents. That is a, that is a fact that particularly young boys, they need male role models. Hopefully we are two role models in the academy. And for females, we have people like Coach Lauren as well. Um, so you definitely need that, but you can't just outsource all of the inspiration outside of the home. Mm. You've got to be that inspiration to your children every single day. It's what you eat at breakfast. It's do you go work out? Do you get sunlight? Do you walk? Do you read? Do you sit and watch TV all day and drink lager all night? Like, you know, you the choices you make as an adult directly affect the way that your children will perceive the world. And, and you can be an inspiration by your actions tomorrow. Um, and also, therefore, an inspiration to yourself because then you know you are doing your best as a parent, right? I think it, it then becomes like a, a really good feedback loop where, you know, the kid can is inspiring a parent to maybe go out and, you know, let's say, that, you know, keep it on jiu-jitsu. You know, a kid starts jiu-jitsu, they're like, wow, this kid's doing amazing and they're really pushing themselves. And then the parent can be like, you know what, I want to, be there doing that and showing them that, yeah, it's difficult, but you know, I'm going to do it, be there right there with you. And then they kind of just start bouncing off of each other and you get like that really cool relationship. And I'm sure we're going to see that happen where there'll be, you know, kids that have started here that turn 19 and eventually get their black belt. And hopefully their parent, their mum or dad are also, you know, 50 or something and get their black belt. That'd be pretty cool, eh? But I think like, with action, sorry, to, sorry, with inspiration, the final thing I'll say is you can be inspiring in the way that you um, speak or the way that you write. You've got to have action too. Like, I think that's the key. Like people are, are mostly inspired by action, I think. You know, you don't want to just be, you know, just someone in the corner gobbing off, you know. That doesn't inspire children, um, doesn't inspire me. I'm inspired by the people who I see out there doing the stuff that they're talking mm. about. Um, so, yeah, that's my two pennies worth on inspiration. Going back to what you said about the kids, that's kind of like one of the reasons why I decided to compete because when I used to well, still do the kids' comp class and you see them doing it and you're telling them all the time, it's no big deal, it's really good for you, blah, 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 and I was saying it to Kobe and Els. And then they were kind of like, oh, are you going to do it? And I was thinking, no, I, love you. Like, I don't want to do it. But then I realised, like, for them to go out, that's inspiring for me because they just go out there, they do it without even thinking about it, unless the kids don't they? And they, they do amazing. And, like, yeah, so that was, like, like inspired me to want to go do it because I just thought, well, like you said, for me to then do it for, like, Elodie and Kobe and Johnny, then they're looking at us and thinking, oh, Dan and Loz do it. And certainly a good example. Exactly. I remember after we, after we did uh, your podcast, uh, Lauren, there was like quite a few people had messaged being like, oh, they were really happy to have you as a role model, kind of inspiring mm. the kids in the classes as well, mm -hmm. uh, especially for the female students. Did that uh, uh, impact you at all? It was nice to hear. Yeah. I, yeah, I got quite a few messages saying that, that it was nice to have like the females, I think especially a lot of the, the younger kids, I think they were saying it was nice that they knew that I was kind of coaching them and they had me to kind of look up power or whatever. So yeah. That's nice. I think the inspirational thing though, uh, 
if I may say, perhaps wasn't isn't the fact you're on the mat, it's the fact that you're honest about your past. Mm. Mm. And having yeah. the courage to face into and lean into challenge and then be open about it, that is a deep, deep sense of courage. And I think that's what people are really inspired by. Those kind of like... The, the openness that people can show sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, when I go do the ocean thing, I was chatting to the guys doing my social media and I was like, listen, I want it to be an absolute warts and all of what I go through. And there's going to be low days, super low, and then super high days as well. I want you to tell the story as it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and I didn't know this till I was in, in this kind of space, who do things like Ocean Rose and, uh, you know, pole crossings or whatever, they can twist the narrative to make it seem like it was a massive triumph when actually underneath they were suffering like hell mm-hmm. and not happy and didn't do it well and made massive mistakes but they didn't say it, talk about it because they wanted it to appear mm-hmm. super successful I don't want that I think it's important that we are authentic again that word came up last week didn't it mm-hmm. um, and so you talking about your stories but you being your authentic self this is me everyone fucking inspired by that big yeah. time yeah, that's a good point. Because people hide stuff all the time. We've all got skeletons in our closets, man. Yeah. All the time. Um, but you've got to be open about it and you've got to talk about this stuff. One, for your own sense of health, but also for the health and well-being of others. Because if they see more and more people doing that, they become inspired to be open themselves. We started the open chat nights, right? Which we can do another one in December. I think you're hosting that today on the 15th. That's right. Um, so if you want to come to that and, and talk and just hang out with people who are going to care about you, that'll be on the 15th of December. Um, I'll be three days into an ocean road by then. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll be sending you a virtual high five. But um, cake loads of cake, yeah. <laughs> Sarah said I, I should be trying to go for the world record of being the first person in history to come back fatter than they started. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm taking as a real challenge. Nice. All right, well, um, maybe we should finish off inspiration just so that we have... What do you think? For inspiration, what thoughts around it? When I talk to the kids about inspiration, I, I want to. I often emphasise um, that they can all like inspire someone else. I oftentimes think like it's a word you can talk about, but you give to someone else. It's often talked talked about like, oh, that person's that's an inspiring person. He's an inspiring person, but they don't internalise it of like, oh, I can do things that are inspiring mm-hmm. to others as well. So I always like to bring up. The both the points like think about the things and the people that are inspiring you but also the things that you can do to be inspiring to others and i think there's so many ways you know i keep talking about it um every time we do these but like it's just set up for them to to do inspiring stuff in the academy to kind of like grease the groove for them to get into it things like you know i think to the to the kids that came in and would barely say a word to you and then all of a sudden like I'll do a warm up. Yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> or uh, um, you know, the kids that are crying on crying on the mats the first day, and then they're like, I think I'll do comp team. Or the ones, you know, the ones that then go out and do competitions, like Coach uh, Lauren was saying. Mm. All these things that I think would probably go over their head of like, oh, it's just what I'm doing. It's like they wouldn't think it's inspiring to others. But I'll be like, no, you'll be inspiring to other people. Like that little kid that just started, and you're now way up this this line. They're looking up to you. They're they're looking at your actions. 
They're seeing if you're doing the little things, like are you leaning against the wall, are you talking, are you messing around in, in the line, they're going to be like, oh, that's, that's okay. Or they're going to be looking at you, you know, paying attention, getting on with your drills, and they're going to be like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's inspiring me to go and do things, like um, go and compete, you know, when the kids go out and win medals and stuff like that. It's all, like, inspiring stuff. And I just always want to emphasise that point of, like, you can do it too. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and there's countless stories like that in our adults program too, mm. of people who <clears throat> have been through some terrible um, times and have found the courage to come onto the map. Um, I think our challenge then for both of those is to make sure that it doesn't go over our heads, the progress that people make. Because with an academy this size now, with over 400 students in it, you know, it's hard to it's hard to stay on top of everyone's unique journey. We do do that, but it's very very difficult. And those little things like the child who last week was messing around, and we asked them not to, and this week they're not. That for that child, that might be huge and a massive inspirational thing that they've done. And we've got to make sure we recognise that and continue to do that. One of the ways we're trying to do that is by um, Way, who's coming as our development champion, finding new ways to recognise our kids progress not just on belts and stripes but in just attendance and just being here because for a lot of our kids just bloody coming in mm -hmm. is a massive inspiration to them and the parents so it's a challenge for us ongoing i think mate yeah a few more things just came to me then um i think the words of the week are taken from the values we're supposed to have as coaches and i think inspiration for me is the value that gives me the closest relationship between the student and the coach because it is that feedback loop of where they inspire me and my whole job I feel is to try and inspire them because teaching jiu-jitsu for me isn't so much of me trying to just give you information like you could read from a book it's all about inspiration it's it's what you talk around about around um self kind of learning like you know um, it's that Galileo quote, if you can't teach them about anything, you can only help them find it within themselves. Mm -hmm. Everything I try and do around teaching is, is very little to do around a technique and more about making that person think about their jiu-jitsu. Like in comp team, if I'm ever teaching like the, the adults and kids comp team, more with the adults, I think it's a little bit easier. You know, I'm not trying to teach them a technique, I'm trying to show them where they might have weak points and, and then let them go out and explore that. So I might, you know, do specific training from, you know, an arm lock position. I'm like, well, if you can get to that point and you can't finish anyone in here with an arm lock, that's going to be a problem, right? Um, so I feel like a lot of our, well, a lot of the job we do as teaching is, is around inspiration. Yeah. It is, it is probably, you're quite right, the most important trait of a good coach. Because if you're not inspiring to them, they're going to listen too, right? Like, yeah. simple as that. They're not going to listen and they're not going to pay attention and they're going to lose respect for you. And yeah, I think it's probably the most important thing, as you say. Amazing. Let's, uh, let's carry on. We've got the next one is enjoyment. I won't read you an indefinition for that. <laughs> I'm sure we can figure it out. <laughs> enjoyment. I think this, uh, I can lead on this one. I think this is a, a really important trait, especially, I mean, we can talk about the adults as well, but for the kids. And it dawned on me most particularly when we did the podcast with Ricky from GB Bondi. Because he, he mentioned to me early on of, uh, you know, you can push a kid really hard for like a year and you could make them an absolute savage on the mat, but they're going to leave. 
because then just not going to enjoy it, getting absolutely smashed every day, day in, day out, um, or at least 95% won't, right? But if you can make a kid just, if you can, you know, make it fairly difficult, just beyond maybe where they're comfortable and make sure they still have a really good time in the class. And, you know, maybe you could let them get away with a little thing every now and again. They, they can, you know, have a bit, a bit more fun in that class. Then they're going to be there for five, 10, 15 years. And they, they would, over the course of that longer time, that consistency, they'd blow, you know, the kid that would only just stay for a year and just, you know, train every day of the week with a super disciplined, regimented, no breaks kind of routine uh, out of the water, right? So I, especially for the kids, I always think enjoyment is is a very key principle to what we do. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the reason why, and we get asked a lot, you know, can my child compete at seven, six, five? It's the reason in this academy that we took the decision to not actively encourage, and what I mean by that is not have competition class for those children before they're eight years old. Because for me, a child of six or seven going to compete or five going to compete and having a bad experience could turn them off from jiu-jitsu like that. Mm. What we want is for them to just be on the mat and have fun. Like like you say, that's going to have the, the longest positive effect on that child. And it's going to get tough down the line, but if they can always think, yeah, but jiu-jitsu is fun, they're going to keep coming back. That thing you talked about there about being just beyond the reach, that's the zone, right? The zone of proximal development. Like that is the thing where every human is the most happy. It's the thing that's just beyond your reach, but, but achievable right now, but you're developing. That's what everyone seeks. Now, when we say, oh, they're in the zone, we mean they're in the zone of proximal development. I can't remember the guy whose name it is who came up with that theory, but it's a thing. And so that's what we're trying to harness here with the children and the adults. We're, pu- we're going to push you because if you're not, if we're not pushing you, you won't have an enjoyment either. Because yeah. as we spoke about last week, or I did, we constantly should be moving forward to make an improvement in our own lives. And if we're not doing that, we're in that tensionless state. If, if jujitsu is so easy for you, you ain't going to enjoy it after a bit. You're going to get bored. It needs to be just that little bit tougher than it needs to be, but still within your grasp. Mm. That's where you're loving it. That's when you're in the zone, man. And being in the zone is key for enjoyment. I think, think Dan has talked a little bit about that for for black belts as well. You know, adult black belts that will get, you know, to a certain point in jiu-jitsu and then they just stick to their game and they never really, like, go out and try and develop new skills or learn new skills. And it just becomes boring for them because they, yeah. they can win against the majority of people and just by playing their same game. And then eventually they just kind of get bored and train less and less and less and might eventually even fall out of the sport, right? So it's like... Even for when you're what what for most people see as the pinnacle, you kind of hit that black belt level. You're still like like you do, professor. You know, still challenging yourself by learning new things and adapting your game, and and always kind of having that almost like white belt kind of mentality of like, right, we can go learn all these extra things now. You know, the best thing you can do as a black belt to improve, make your students the best they can possibly be. Mm. I don't think it's as much about discovering or learning new aspects of jiu-jitsu. You know. I do do that. But I think if you can pour more effort into your students and make them better than you, then you naturally will have to improve because they're catching you up. And it's a race you can't win because they're getting all the knowledge and you're not getting the time on the mat. And so they're just, it's like a wave, man. That's what it feels in our academy. This kind of blue wave that's starting to like appear over the horizon. I'm like, bring it. 
because I have to improve. Otherwise, I'm going to lose to everyone all the time. And that can't happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that's important, man. For me, anyway, is just to, right now where I'm at, it's like how good can I make people like Lauren? How good can I make Johnny? How good can I make Ollie? How good can I make Ben? How, can, how good can I make everyone in the academy? Is if they're the killers, we have to get better to remain credible and relevant and have integrity and be an inspiration to, right? Yeah. Rising tide and all that stuff. Raising all boats. Laura, you got any thoughts around the enjoyment for what we do? Um, what, in jiu-jitsu? Yeah. I think, yeah, it's like what you said. I think it's enjoyment is, like you said, it's like doing what makes you happy, and I don't think you can enjoy anything. What do you then? Is I'll frame that a different way. So do you enjoy jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, I think... Lots of different reasons. I think because it's challenging, like you said, it's something that's always like forever changing. You're not just stood still, like you said, you're always kind of chasing the next thing or learning the next thing. Um, I think for me, it's just something different to what I do in the rest of my life. So, and then I think probably the community side of it as well. I think that brings enjoyment. Balloons. <laughs> <laughs> the, but the other thing I would say to anybody who's hunting enjoyment is if it's really going to be enjoyable, given what I've said about the zone of proximal development, like there's going to be times where you don't enjoy it yeah. or you feel you don't enjoy it. Yeah. But what you've got to do, and I think you said this actually, mate, I think it's a really good analogy. You've got to see that moment in time as, I don't know, a drop in a pool of you know, or like a second in hours worth of jiu-jitsu. Like it's one day. If you can't get to jiu-jitsu today or you've had a real bad roll today, it's one day, man. Mm. Out of 10 years or 20 years of jiu-jitsu, it's not a big deal. At the time you've been there, mm -hmm. feels like your life's caved in because you've had one bad night and someone's rubbed you up the wrong way or you got upset or you, you performed not to where you want to be. You've just got to have a little bit of perspective and understand that enjoyment is the enjoyment spread out over time that's what really matters it's not every single class has to be perfect because it ain't going to be mm. yeah absolutely so should we uh for the kids when we when we talk about enjoyment how do we how do we generally frame that little kind of two three minute conversation we have with them before class and after class what are the key takeaways for those guys fun mm. fun yeah. do it with a smile on your face be free again yeah. Be open and be in the flow. Like that's the key, isn't it? Really, I have this issue with my children, obviously, as well with the football and stuff like that. They play best when they're in flow, but to be in flow, you've got to be open and free. But that's so difficult when you want to do well because if you want to do well, you tighten up. So I think for our kids, it's just by saying like, "Look, here's some of the rules that we accept are non-negotiables. You're gonna be good people, and the rest of it just go have fun." That's why we do things like. Last champion stands and Spider-Man freeze tag, Spider-Man yeah. freeze tag. That is the moment when they just go boom. Mm. And they're not allowed to do that at home, most kids. My kids aren't allowed to run around screaming, <laughs> banging into everything. That's not happening. You can't do it at school. No. So where do you get to do that? On the mat. Where you just go mental for three minutes. That is being a kid, isn't it? Yeah. It's complete freedom. They, don't, they can't control themselves. They're meant, they've gone mad. I think they love as well, like from what I've seen, it's probably the same kind of thing because I don't think they'll get it in school. Like 
when you guys are a bit daft with your techniques and stuff, you know, when you like yesterday when you pretended to be asleep and stuff, like they absolutely love that. I think that's the funniest thing ever. Yeah. And I love seeing them because they're all absolutely like howling. Wake up! I think they think it's like crazy because, like you said, the teachers will never really behave like the parents probably don't behave like mm. that. But like you said, it's that it's not like crossing the line so that the you know acting stupid and not listening and stuff, but it like makes it fun. Mm. Like you said, it's that little. Those little things make the difference. I think, I think that's what we do really well, if I might say. I think we, as a martial arts academy, you the, the the temptation is to be strict, martial arts, stand up straight, do this. That's not right. Do it again. Well, we, I think, strike a really nice balance between asking a lot of them, but also laughing and having fun. And that enjoyment piece fits squarely right in the middle of what we do, isn't it? Yeah. Because if you're not doing that, what's the bloody point? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Right, we'll move on to integrity. I'll read the definition and reset the camera quickly. Okay, the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles. Integrity. Super important, Professor Mike. Yeah, this is a tough one to... It's a tough one to get to do justice in 10, 15 minutes, isn't it? Because it's such a, an important part of everything that we stand for but everyone should be standing for I think it's really understanding what your values and, and are in life and having a strong moral compass that guides you in the darkest of times which is going to be dark life's difficult man it's, it's, it's fraught with danger isn't it and we're seeing that right now with the country it's at, it's at breaking point structurally socially it's really difficult to live for a lot of people um but if you can navigate all that by sticking true to what you believe is right, then I think you have personal integrity. And everyone's values will be slightly different. You know what they are, because if someone crosses them, it really hurts and strikes a nerve. It's the moments when I flash on the map, someone's crossed one of my values. Um, and integrity would be one of them. And so if someone shows me a lack of integrity on the map, um, or a lack of respect, perhaps, is another one that I hold really dear. Um, then it really, it really hurts. But I think it's it's understanding who you are is key. And to do that, you've got to really think deeply about who you are and what it is you stand for. And I don't think people do that often enough. I had to do it in my old career. We had to be um, psychologically assessed to be able to do the, the undercover work that I used to do because it was so risky that you would be sat alongside terrorists and get it wrong. The risks were too high. So you, And I was told that from the psychologist that um, worked with me that he felt that I knew myself probably more than anyone else had ever worked with. So because I've really thought hard about where I've come from, all my experiences and who I am as a person. And then once you know that, then you just need to try and live a life that matches who you believe you want to be. That for me is integrity. And it's a, it's a constant task, isn't it? And you're not going to get it right all the time. You, you're going to fall foul of that. You're going to betray your own moral values occasionally. I've done that. We've all done that because we're human. Um, but that's okay. As long as you have some integrity mm -hmm. and put your hand up. The Marines do this all the time, right? Like you have to, if you make a mistake, you don't wait to be found out. You put your hand up. I messed up here. I'm really sorry. Yeah. It's my fault. That's okay. Yeah. Yeah, I remember um, everything, especially in training, right? Like, you don't have anything if you don't have integrity. 
Like, it is the only thing you have. Like, everything you are based upon is your absolute foundations. If you found someone to have no, like, no integrity or they weren't being honest, like, that person was just done. Like, they weren't. Why they done? Because you've lost trust in them, right? Yeah. It's just like, it was the only thing they had. Like, everything else could be taken away from you. But, like, you could keep, like, your integrity was, like, the one thing that was, like, almost only under your control. And it became uh, just, incre- uh, it's incredibly important to everyone, right? But um, it it does have that close relationship with trust, right? And when we're in environments like jiu-jitsu or in training and things like that, trust is so important because we're doing a, a difficult thing that's close together. And you're going to rely on your training partner or the person next to you. And if you can't trust that person, it becomes, a, it, it's impossible to do. Like, you just can't do it anymore. And once it's been broken once, it's, it's very hard to come back from. Yeah. I mean, we've asked people to leave. We've made people leave. We've kicked people out of this academy who betrayed trust on the mat. Because you, you op- again, you go back to that word open. Like, you come on the mat, you basically open yourself up to a stranger wandering in and getting right up close and personal in your personal space. Like, as a woman, that's tough. As a guy, it's tough. Harder for women, I would suggest. I would imagine mm. that if someone betrays your trust in that space, whoa, that is tough. And if you do that, it's very hard to regain back from that. Mm-hmm. Very, very hard. Mm. I think there's there's so many different levels to integrity as well. There's integrity, um, you know, being honest with everyone around you, and there's also being honest with yourself. Right? I think some some like. Uh, the hardest thing is trying to be honest with yourself you know it's easy to make excuses for yourself sometimes and oftentimes you know might come off the mat and be like did I really give it my best today and I'm like no oh, you know I did a lot of rounds did that I'm like but did you give it your best today it's like nah, probably not <laughs> and and that's that's a, that's a worry because if you do do that not you if one does that then there's going to be a moment when you are on your own and your mind will start to question you. Who are you then? Yeah. Because you're telling everyone else you're this person, but we know that you're not. And that internal voice starts to eat away then. And then you're in a right pickle because then do you know who you are? And then you're lost and then you're got anxiety and then you're a fraud and you're out there and you're trying to put this mask on every day that people did they see through it oh my god you see this all the time i want to write this book right and um, one of the first things i said to the literary agent was this has to be non-sensationalist and authentic yeah it's going to have stories in it it has to have color because mm-hmm. it's a book people want to read it but i said i'm not going to take credit for anything i've not done and anything we write in there has to be stuff that i have done and i'm happy to say and that was like a non-negotiable there are people, as you know, who I've managed who've written books, written dozens of books, and it's all wrong. It's all false. I know it is because I was there. And I always console myself with the fact, because you could get annoyed by that, and I did. We all got annoyed by that because the guy's made millions from it, right? But he has to kiss his kids goodnight, and they're going to say, did you really do that, Daddy? And if he says yes, he knows deep down inside on the day of reckoning, he knows he didn't do it. And that would be, for me, the worst possible existence, to live a life. you got one life. If yours is a lie to yourself and to others, 
Like, what a waste. Mm -hmm. What a waste. Um, I'd rather fail, and I will fail, and I have failed. But know that I failed doing my best than pretend that I won when I didn't. Yeah. I, th I think for, um, for integrity on the mats, it's interesting around uh, the kids as well, right? So there's been lots of opportunities, you know, especially, especially I think with Gabe, like he'll mess up every now and again. <laughs> and, uh, and they'll be like, hey, yo, don't tell my dad. Don't tell my dad. <laughs> and I'll be like, okay, I won't tell him, but you need to tell him. <laughs> and I'll give him that, that, that option because so like just to, you know, um, let him work his integrity. I'm like, but like Coach T, you don't understand. You don't understand what's going to happen to me. And I'm like, oh, no, no. nothing. And I'm like, look, it's going to be a lot better coming from you than it is from me. Yeah. I always say to my kids, you, you, if you do something bad or you, may, you mess up, you might get in trouble for it. But if you don't tell me and I find out, yeah. then there's hell to pay yeah. because that is values again. It's like we had it this weekend with the phones again, man. Phones, kids and phones, what the hell, right? <laughs> again, do, me and Sarah went away for a night and they have a limit on their screen time per day. And guess what? The day we went away, boom, massive spike. Like, well, they won't find out. We'll just go on for as long as we want. Guess what, fellas? You're going to find your phone out. I guess. Exactly, yeah. Um, but but, but why, why, why is it such an important thing to do that? Why is it so important to really come down hard on... And look, I was listening to a podcast yesterday, Richard Reeves on Modern Wisdom, I don't know if you heard about that. that and this is a slight tangent, but bear with me. So boys, what age do you think boys have the same impulse control as girls I say the girl's age 10. What age is a boy when they've got the same ability to control their impulses? Older. Well, I must say 15. <laughs> 25. Really? 25. Really? So for the whole of a boy's adolescence, they just do not have the pre prefrontal cortex development to have impulse control. It's why they go out partying instead of turning their homework in and why girls will sit and do their homework instead of going out partying. That's the thing, right? And, and so the, the topic of the conversation in the podcast was the educational system being structurally disadvantaged for boys. And it, and it is, like it's a factual thing. But the reason that I have a go at my boys is you've got to have, they've got to have that integrity themselves and they've got to learn that now. They've got to learn that if they make decisions and they try and get away with stuff and they get caught out, it's going to be bad, man. It's going to be really, really bad. But I know they can't help it. So then the counter to that is, well, they can't help it. They haven't got a prefrontal cortex developed yet. So they're just being boys. Yeah, we've still got to show them the way. You've got to show them. Just... Because how else do they learn integrity? How else do they learn that? I'm going to mess up. They're going to mess up. They can't physically do it. Biologically, they can't do it. But they have to know that they have to be honest about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. So we expect you to mess up. We expect you to mess up on the mat in jiu-jitsu. But when you do it, have some integrity about it. Is that a piece that Jock is always talking about, the extreme ownership kind of thing? Mm. I think that plays into integrity a lot because, uh, you know, when when something goes wrong, you messed up or something, I think especially for kids, they want to they wanna find, you know, a little loophole or an excuse. Or, you know, it, was, it wasn't me. <laughs> it was little Jimmy over here was messing around and I was just in the vicinity, <laughs> you know. 
And I think those two things of like that extreme ownership, just like owning it, is it, it and that integrity piece, just like they go hand to hand in hand, really. Mm. And we reward we we reward children who do that in the academy, yeah. don't we? We will often at the end of class talk about the child who was messing about at the start of class, but by the end of the class had sorted their act out mm. because they're the integrity to fix it. And so we do that on a regular basis. And hopefully that reinforces that message. With adults, we have to do the same, don't we? I think those are always the, the best, you know, the best stories we hear. You, know, it's, you can have a kid that starts great and is always great, and that's, that's wonderful. But, like, the thing that like, really, like, inspires me going back is that, is that kid that, you know, was a bit rough around the edges and, and struggled and, and, you know, found a bit of jiu-jitsu, went, went through a bit of adversity, and now he's come back to, to where he's, uh, you know, essentially started in the same place, but he's a different kind of person, right? He's he's grown through through it, and now he might be on the par with that kid that started really good. And yeah, man, I was I was just thinking of someone there in our adults program. Actually, I won't name names, but um, who I hear I heard making lots of excuses when they lost their competitions to start with, and now actually he's winning competitions, but actually he's doing it in a really in a way that has a lot of integrity now and I respect them for it. I said on the mat this morning, um, just to finish my piece on this, that, and I've always said this, jiu-jitsu is a lens into you and you can't hide from it on the mat. You cannot hide. Every emotion, everywhere you face adversity, face triumph is reflecting yourself on the mat. So if you're the kind of person today we're doing back escapes who panics like mad when they're in a bad position and freaks out and tries to muscle everything and can't think straight, that's exactly what you're going to be like when your boss puts a problem on your desk or you have a problem at home with your kids. That is who you are. So jiu-jitsu gives you the opportunity to develop that side of yourself and to take that deep breath. If you really think about it in that way, and I think that's one of the most powerful things that jiu-jitsu has, it allows you to improve across all areas and facets of your life if you have the integrity to see yourself honestly on the map. So when we're telling you that's not right, you know, you reacting in that way after a role, that's not right. And I had this a few weeks ago, you were there. And that person was saying, that's not me, Professor. I'm like, that is you. That is you. You did that. That is you. Have some integrity and accept it. And they did. And I think they're better for it. I think the you know the the tests are, are endless and they and they aren't always um, too obvious in jiu-jitsu, right? I think they start you know as soon as you walk through that door, like you're being almost tested on everything, you know. And it's not like I'm keeping a record of things or anything like that, but it's like yeah, you, you are. Know, yeah, yeah, I do have a little but, you know, like, I'm like, oh, okay, that person's not going to leave their sliders nice and neatly to the mat. All right, okay, this person never volunteers to do to a, do a warm-up. Never cleans up. <laughs> never this cleans up. This person never is never cleaning up, right? That's um, a big one. Yeah. If you're the one sliding out the door early, oh, I've got to get back to work. And yeah. Guess what? Go back to work late. And there's, there's you know, tens and, and, and more of, of these examples we could give that uh, wouldn't necessarily be related to jiu-jitsu, but they are jiu-jitsu, man. Like... If, if you're good of character on the mat, you know, you're like, I'm expecting you to walk out the door and you see a bit of litter or something, I'll just stick it in the bin. That's jiu-jitsu to me. Like, that, that is jiu-jitsu just as much as going out and learning a technique. We're here to develop our, our characters just as much as you want to, you know, develop your ability to strangle someone. 
Medissa uh, talked a lot about it when we asked him, like, what does it mean to be a martial artist? He was like, there's loads of fighters in the world. You can be a fighter easily, right? You can go out and just learn some techniques and have a scrap, but there's not many martial artists. It's like to develop your character along that path. Yeah. And I feel like integrity is like the, one of the key pillars of that. But we've always said it, right? We're here to develop people, and jujitsu is a tool used to do that. Um, on that fire thing, you'll have seen it on our Instagram DMs, I'm sure. You know, it's still people in the aftermath of the summer, what happened to me, and that was a test of my integrity. Like, I believed I was doing the right thing and, and still stand by it. There's still people in other academies who run the kind of academies that are like that, which are just fight heavy with no, that I see anyway, no real substance beneath that, calling me out for fights. It's just mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, calling me out for fights. It's crazy, man. Um, but that just shows the kind of people they are, though, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, I, I'd consider it if we gave both fees to charity, but um, next year when I'm back. But I think it's, again, that's a test, isn't it? It's a test of your own integrity. Do you buy it on that and do you lower yourself to their level or do you actually just maintain that value structure above it? Mm. Um, but I think this is quite right. Just in jiu-jitsu, that very, very small niche group of people who do jiu-jitsu in our city and across the world, there are, the majority of those academies are fight first. And if you're not rock hard, you know, you're not at the top of the tree. And then we do it the other way around. Yeah. You can be a British champion. You can be a world champion, whatever you want to be. But you can be a bloody good first person first. And that is the most important thing. Absolutely. That seems like a, a nice place to end this one. Um, unless you guys have any closing thoughts. Do we have, uh, do you have a top three favourite? Maybe just values in general? That you, maybe it would be nice for people to know your, doesn't have to be maybe the words of the week. Um, integrity. Empathy. And discipline would be my top three, I think. Nice. I like that. Lauren, do you, do you have something that you try and live by? I'm just trying to think. Well, yeah, but I don't know. Put me on the spot now. What are yours? <laughs> <laughs> Give me a minute to think. Uh, yeah, integrity, um, courage, and kindness. Yeah. Those three I try to live by most. And it's okay not to know, yeah. but I would say this is a challenge to you. If you don't know, you haven't thought about it enough. And that comes back to my point before, that you really need to really think about who you are and what it is you stand for in life um, and what matters the most. And you can only really do that if you, if you place yourself at the end of life and turn around and have a look back. And that is something that I'm going to start calling the intention. Um, it's kind of future authoring, but I'm going to call it the intention. You can set an intention for your life and what you want a, that life to be. And it can be anything you want, by the way. It's not set out like, you know, we don't, we can't predict the future. Like you can go do whatever you want, but you've got to start at the end and look back. And if you do that, then you can basically achieve anything you want, but you've got to know what you want to have lived a life for. What's the meaning of your life? What's the purpose? And once you know that, then you know who you are. And from there, you can start to live a life which is, has integrity and has, it's true to the values that you believe in. 
Wonderful. All right, Lauren, next time you're on, you got to tell us, all right? Yeah, to be continued. <laughs> <laughs> next podcast. Yeah. Lauren's Values, episode 101. <laughs> Brought a list. It's got to have balloons in it, surely. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be great. Balloons, Halloween. <laughs> well, big thank you to Lauren while she's here um, and all the other. Um, members of staff Sarah and Wayne and Soaps as well who have done a great job with the Halloween decorations yes um, it's lovely to do that for the kids keep an eye on the Instagram I'm sure we'll get some photos out at some point so you can see Kev ruined my big reveal thanks Kev did he? <laughs> yeah. oh, bombed you he put it on his story didn't yeah. he you and Sarah are fuming Kev <laughs> That's the real reason why he's not on the podcast anymore, yeah. folks. Kicked him out. Lauren's actually killed him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe we'll see a bit more of uh, Lauren and the other um, members of staff while you're away, Professor. Someone's got to jump in the seat. and um, big, big shoes to fill, you know? Yeah, philosophise <laughs> about the world. Yeah, I quite enjoy this. It's kind of cathartic, I think, to talk mm. about this stuff. Mm. Um, when will be the last one I'd like to record episode 100 before I go this could be 91 is it this is 91 we're thinking about doing recording 100 preemptively during the winter grading ah yeah that's cool tell everyone about that that's proper cool can you tell people about that now yep so post winter grading I think I think the plan is to eventually make our way down to well oiled in in uh I'm going to go to Meanwood Tavern, yeah. In fact, I'm going to delegate that to someone today of the team to see if they can get an area for us in Meanwood Tavern. Uh, But maybe with a bit of time, well, I'm going to bring it down there too, to be fair. Mobile podcast. Uh, We will uh, have a floating kind of camera and a microphone. If we can just go talk to uh, everyone there around their experiences of jiu-jitsu and what they think and... It'll be like a an academy wide podcast. And will it end up like it did after the English Open last year? With the drunken I was gonna say this is gonna be touching. <laughs> Are you on that one? No. No. Um, no, good job. No, we'll we'll save that for the eventual when I eventually make the after hours podcast for GBRL and the GBRL uh, OnlyFans and all the other <laughs> <laughs> all the other things we keep talking about whenever we really do. <laughs> Oh, I'll miss it. Hey, guys. Well, until next time. Oops. Oops.